I'm Chloe, and this is the Goodness Pays Leadership Podcast. This podcast is about how goodness can be a successful strategy for good leadership. Our purpose is to spark positivity and what's possible thinking in leaders like you so that you can radiate goodness today and every day. Our mission is to spread goodness because we believe goodness pays. I'm Paul Botts, the founder and CEO of Good Leadership Enterprises, and this podcast is being recorded in the Aspiration Suite of our offices in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I make my living as an author, executive coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Chloe Radcliffe, a freelance writer and producer in the Twin Cities, and Good Leadership Enterprises is one of my earliest clients, and can I, I don't, can I say my favorite? I hope nobody else is listening. I think you need (laughs) to say your favorite, yes. You can find more information about this podcast and Good Leadership on goodleadership.com and check us out at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, and now here on this podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast at iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and goodleadership.com. And as always, we invite you to leave ratings, reviews, and comments. Today's podcast features Jurian Camp, the speaker at the Good Leadership Breakfast Series today. This morning kicked off the 2018 season. Paul, will you tell them a little bit more about the breakfast? Yes. uh, We started the Good Leadership Breakfast way back in 2010. And since then, it's just been growing and growing and growing. We're now in our ninth season. We uh, expect to have over 15,000 guests by the time we're done with this series. So it's a very highly interactive audience participation breakfast where we feature a speaker, Jurian Camp, and we ask people to participate in roundtable discussions and um, exercise that are based on simple leadership concepts around the idea of goodness and how goodness pays. The reason I asked Jurian to come and be a speaker here is he's something I re- someone I really, really admire. It's our first international speaker. My introduction to him was through a magazine that he started called Ode, and there was a specific issue in December of 2011 where the title said, Giving is Good. And that magazine really drew me into the conclusions I came up with about goodness and why we're going to commit the work that we do to the idea of spreading goodness because goodness pays. How cool that the person behind that magazine is now the speaker at the Breakfast Series. Yeah, and he's, um, he's appropriately quirky. He's, uh, you know, he's a European. He grew up in the Netherlands. He now lives in Santa Barbara, California, and he flies back and forth sort of brokering these ideas of, of sort of European government ideas and uh, American entrepreneurial, we can change the world ideas. It was really, really fascinating to hear that from him today. Yeah, I learned a ton, and I thought that he made some really interesting and inspiring comments about changing the world and the the capacity that we all have to make decisions that impact other people in the world around us. That was really cool. It's also fascinating that he started his career as a journalist. He's a lawyer and a journalist, and he's largely known as one of the founders of the Solution Journalist uh, movement. But he is a journalist, and mm-hmm. he talked a lot about citing research and references in a very different style than we've had at the Good Leadership in the past. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting into this and, and hearing his message. Yeah, super academic. So let's go listen to it. Okay, so let's get started. Our first clip really plays on this idea that we all know is that we are what we eat. Right, but he he didn't just talk about eating, right? He talked about we are what we see and what we hear. It's all of, it's about that everything we intake, not just food, affects who we are, how we act, the health of our bodies and minds and spirits. Yeah, let's listen. You know, most of the people here know the time that news was something that came to you maybe in the morning, it came to you in the evening news and you had a 
newspaper perhaps, and so there were a few times a day that you were consuming the news. Today, we live in a very different world where the news is with us every moment of the day. So I think the tendency that we have always had to focus on whatever goes wrong in the world, which is what in most newsrooms where I got my training as well, um, is the focus. But the focus in the past 20 years, and there's a quite exact moment when that started to happen, the intensity increased tremendously. And the intensity increased because of the fact that we got familiar with the concept of CNN. CNN brought us 24-hour news, something we didn't have prior to that. It started in the first Gulf War in 1991, and there we got it. Suddenly, news was everywhere all the time. Not that there was more news, and that's the beginning of the problem. The news was, of course, the same. The bomb had only exploded once that day, but suddenly it kept exploding every hour on the hour, on and on and on and on, and that did something. We know by now, most of us know, that it makes a difference what you eat. How do you feed your body? So whatever you put in your mouth has an impact on how your, your health and even on how you feel. We kind of got that now. That just living from McDonald's alone doesn't make us healthy. We realize that. So whatever we feed our eyes and our ears has the same impact as whatever we eat. It is, and it's even proven. If you, you, do, you connect people to the measurements of blood pressure and, and whatever else you can simply measure, um, and you, you have people watch the news for 15 minutes, the whole system is in, in chaos. And then they say, people will say, well, it doesn't apply to me. Well, I can tell you from that research, it impacts everyone. Some people can deal with it better than others, but it impacts everyone. And so then the same research shows you need another 15 minutes to recover. Basically, all that news, what we do, disturbs our bodies, our systems, our, our feelings of how we, we look at the world and how we relate to other people. And then we would need 15 minutes to recover. And we know from research that all of us, on average, spend an hour a day watching, reading the news. So against that hour, you would need to meditate at least an hour which I challenge you, probably most of you don't do. So I love what he said there because this goes right into the kind of thing that we talk about in our executive coaching relationships all the time, that if you are a consumer of what's going on in the world today, we are often overcome with what I call the dark noise. It's yeah. just this constant, steady stream of things like school shootings and natural disasters. And if you pay attention to global news, you learn about every big storm that's happening places where people are displaced in their house. Totally. It, it, it just never, ever stops. And yeah. then particularly if you start reading the Wall Street Journal and you can consume business news, more often than not, it's some shenanigans that some CFO pulled before they start telling you about a strategy that's really working for some new company. Right. Yeah. It, it, it really does feel like an onslaught of, you know, like every day is a new negative thing. And I, I thought that one thing that Jurian said in there was that there's not more news, but you're hearing it more. It's more, it's, it's constant. It's so consistent. You can't escape it. And that is, I, I, I really feel like that's what makes it feel like an onslaught. Well, it's, it's, it's created a big change in me and my preparation to be a good leader and the CEO of this firm. Oh, really? I, I feel like I need to be informed but I'm changing about where I get my information sure, sure, and sure. how I get it. Yeah. And I'm skipping over. And, you know, part of his recommendation is you don't have to read the whole story. Yeah. 
I, I look for a name. I look for what happened and then I'm on to the next thing. Yeah. I skim it and I'm, I've actually made choices to read the stories about solutions and good news in air quotes, right? Yeah. Um, uh, all the way to the end. Yeah. And it's really had a lot to do with my own mood. Have you, you, have you noticed differences? Without a doubt. Really? The other thing I do is I never watch the evening news before I go to bed now. Oh. I stopped doing that five or six years ago. I never, ever do it. Were you having trouble? Was it keeping you up? Was it? No, I just realized one night that I was watching story after story after story of all these things that were just crimes against humanity and people's houses getting burned down and hurricanes that were demolishing things. And I thought, well, that's not the right stuff to go to bed with. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I just changed it. Yeah. I think we're not really built to intake a globe's worth of negative news. You know, we're not. That exactly what Jorian was saying. That phenomenon has only happened in the last now. What is it? Twenty years. Twenty-seven years. Yeah. 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 Amazing. So what I really liked about what he talked about was he he kind of went away from his subject of journalism mm-hmm. and he made a really quick pivot into leadership, which is what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that he talked yeah, about... Yeah, he addressed good leadership yeah, head he, on. Yeah, without without any exactly. prompting, right? Yeah, and yeah. so um, I think we should go and listen to that next. Cool. Absolutely. Leadership. We tend to think has something to do with uh, taking care of others. And I'm not saying that is not true. It is true. I mean, the leader in a team is someone who guides, and, and uh, whether it's a servant leader or uh, you know, a leader who, who leads from the top, it doesn't really matter. But there is this idea of managing the team, guiding the team. But I will say that probably an even more important factor of leadership is how you lead yourself. And that is how do you contribute yourself. I think we're here as people to contribute. That gives our lives meaning. Whatever it is that we can do to make another life better. That is simply what makes life fulfilling. There is nothing else that that is as fulfilling. All these research, you know that too. But the point is we get all these wrong messages. We, 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 again, watch television where we are told that happiness is something you can buy. Whereas we should know by now that the true happiness comes from the sharing with people. So I will say leadership, practice that in a a personal way. And then you will find out that that the first thing you need to do is find out where it is that you can contribute, how you can lead a life that is meaningful for yourself while serving others. God, I love that he said practice it in a personal way. I think it's easy to think about I'm practicing good leadership. I'm the one doing it, but that frequently we think about it in context of others. And he, that challenge to say, no, 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 look inside yourself, do some insight, figure out how you are contributing or how you want to contribute was, I, I, it, it really opened up another layer of practicing that good leadership to me. Yeah, I think it highlighted a very interesting tension that we hear all the time in the process of developing leaders. And that is fundamentally, good leaders are others-oriented. And yet, that others orientation has to start with personal leadership yep. and looking from within. Yep. And those ideas often seem like they compete. Yep. But thinking about what words do you want to own as a leader if someone else was going to describe what it's like to work with you? Figuring out what those words are is an introspective personal leadership, Mm -hmm. and it comes out in how you serve others. 
So we will then interview people and say, well, in the concept of being a consumer of that person's leadership, what words would you use to describe? And when we throw those words back to the leader, that's often a really powerful insight. Yeah. That's kind of how I heard that section there. Totally. Yeah. Do you find that people, I can imagine that people frequently would go straight to the others oriented and skip their own reflection or development or whatever. And that it sort of feels like, well, look, aren't I doing all the pieces? Aren't I putting them all together? Right. And Mm -hmm. it's still not working. do, Do you find that people sort of skip that that first core step? Well, it's unnatural, mainly because we're telling people that you need to be humble. And so if you need to be humble, yeah. some people say, well, I don't want to talk about myself. Then I can't right? think I about myself. Think, yeah. I can't. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and it's just one of the most fascinating tensions on anyone's leadership development journey. And I, I would just challenge anybody who's listening today to think about, you know, what is that tension for you in that other's orientation, that service mentality, and also what kind of conversations going on in between your own ears to decide about what kind of leader you want to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is that conversation going on at all? <laughs> Well, let's hope so after today. <laughs> yeah. Well, remember now, I invited Jurian to speak with us because he's the founder of the Intelligent Optimist magazine. It's my favorite magazine ever. Mm-hmm. And I figured eventually he would get to there in his comments today. So he, he did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, talking about optimism specifically, you mean? Yeah. 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 Right. So uh, let's just cut to that right now. Okay, great. Optimism is not a definition of reality. Optimism is an attitude. It's more a verb. How you approach reality is how do you respond? The best story on optimism is really from Viktor Frankl, the Austrian psychiatrist who survived uh, the Nazi uh, death camps. And after that wrote his book, The Meaning of Life, um, which is a short and very good book, which I would recommend to everyone. He says life ultimately is about, as he he writes it in German, trotzdem ja sagen, which means despite everything, say yes. And that is yes to the situation you're in. Because if you step out of it, even in a death camp, yes, that is it. That is the end. But if you can move into the situation and say, well, there is something I can do. I can still say yes to something, even in that almost impossible situation. And that is something. If he could do that in a Nazi death camp, of course, for us, it's so much easier. Uh, and, And that is what we should treasure. So that is what optimism is about. Optimism is not to say there are no problems in this world. There are problems in this world. There are many problems. But that is also what makes life fun. Because ultimately, who we are, we are problem solvers. Nothing in our world is more important to us than that feeling that we have been able to create something that wasn't there. Or to solve a problem that was there. So... That is where our focus should be, that inherent attitude of finding ways to contribute, to solve a problem, to do, make something a little better. That's why you see it always that people, when they move into a new home, they start painting the walls, they start doing things to make it theirs, to create. And that is inspiring. So what I think he was describing there is this idea that we talk about all the time, that what we concentrate on grows. Mm-hmm. And that in every situation, we have the choice to concentrate on the things that we think are unjust and shouldn't be happening and are maybe bad or painful. But we also have the choice to say, okay, I'm going to figure, I'm going to concentrate on this thing because I feel like it's good. And I'm, if I concentrate on whatever's good in that situation, that that will actually grow. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of Eastern, uh, meditation techniques and things that talk about that a lot. But I I really do believe, and we talk all the time about what we concentrate on grows and we get to choose about that. Yeah. Are you, are you connecting that to the Frankl 
uh, story. Yeah, and all the way through the other examples about how we need to make a difference and we mm-hmm, like to mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. to leave a mark and stuff. And we can we can comp- the, the 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 house painting story. I think is fascinating because I remember the first house that I bought was a dump. Yeah. But what did we do? Painted the walls. We painted the walls because we wanted that dump to look good. Yeah. And so we focused on changing the color of the walls to make it ours, even though we knew there was lots of problems. Yeah. 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 I I think that I love that reframing of fixing problems or of, of problem solving as fulfilling and satisfying and important, not as a hurdle. You know, that it's it's not really like. It's it's easy to complain about, oh, I have all these problems and I wish that I just didn't have these problems. I wish that my life was just easier. And A, that's not really the most fulfilling or satisfying version of life. And B, even if it was, it's not realistic. So who cares? Well, you know? to reinforce my point again, focusing on I wish my life was right. easier yeah, 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 yeah. sends us in the wrong direction yep. Yep. instead of. So let me pivot then to the second thing, which is what I think about every time I hear Viktor Frankl's story. Mm-hmm. And that is that. Which I, we heard from Richard Leiter. We, yeah. So it was really interesting that so, so soon we yeah. would hear this again. Um, I think about the phrase, where is the goodness in this? We use that phrase often as coaches with individuals and teams. And it is amazing to see how people's body language completely changes. Because while they're searching for something that's good in a really difficult situation when they find it, you can see the cathartic moment. You watch the body language change and they start focusing on even the tiniest thing that's good. And often we hear things like this. Well, at least we're being honest about this now. Yep, yep. We haven't solved anything yet, but at least we're not pretending anymore that this is going to go away. Yep. And that's the point where the conversation can change. Yep. Yep. And I I mean, the Frankel story is such a clear iteration of that. But I, I think that you you just put that in ways that are easy to understand for everyday experiences, not just an extraordinary experience like Frankel's. Well, now that we've talked a little bit about the goodness subject here, mm-hmm. um, I think maybe we should just uh, race to the end. Yeah, uh, you asked him. There's So every Good Leadership Breakfast, you uh, bring the speaker back up on stage after mm-hmm. their TED Talk-style keynote mm-hmm. for an interview. And you ask I, – I love that you ask the questions that everyone in the audience is thinking. But you also – in this one, you asked – uh, you asked Jurian, how does goodness pay? How does he see goodness paying? And I thought he had a really – I loved his answer, and that's a story that's going to stick with me. Can we listen to that? Yeah, good. Let's start with my question of him. How do you see goodness pay? Okay, so my personal inspiration there is um, is Yvonne Chouinard, who started Patagonia. And you probably noticed the, 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 the company that sells the mm-hmm. outdoor stuff, right? We buy a lot of that stuff here. Okay. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I guess there is a need, right? Mm-hmm. So Chouinard really only started the company to do good. He had no other reason. He, he started these, these things, the crimpons or whatever they call it, these things you need mm-hmm. to put into the wall so you can climb. And nobody did it the way he liked it because he wanted to climb mountains. So he said, okay, I'll, I'll produce these things myself. And that started the company. And then he thought, okay, well, I can do this and I can do that. And that. But always his driver, mo- driving motivation was, okay, I'm filling a need. I'm, I'm you know, uh, I'm solving a problem. When I speak with him sometimes, he says, I, I don't know what to do with this money. It keeps coming. So if you, it, it's just, it's so much money. And because what he, the needs he fills, there's so much need for it, apparently, you know, mm-hmm. people buy. And so goodness pays. Yes, that for me is an example. And I, I'm always happy to see that example 
because we sometimes think we need to compromise. We need to do something that we know is not exactly right. You were talking uh, you know, about clients. You said, mm -hmm. yeah, should I do that? Should I not do that? Well, I understand that. I have done things that I think I should have done that. But, but Shuinar never compromised. He did only what he wanted to do. And it paid. So goodness pays. Very well said. Thank you very much. I am looking at my notes. And that story inspired me so much that here's in my notes, I, I was, you know, writing down little blurbs of what he was saying. And I was trying to write the, he did not compromise. He did only what he wanted. And what, I, what I'm reading off my notes right now, he did not compromise. He did only what I wanted. I was already, I, I'm already internalizing it. Even as I was writing down notes, just listening to that, I was going, I want to take that to heart. That was such a cool example of goodness paying, literally paying money, not just, you know, paying emotional dividends or whatever, but paying literal money. Yeah, no, um, it, that's funny to hear that reference there. Um, I, um, I heard it differently. Um, goodness is not a word that's used very often in leadership and business, basically hardly ever. And part of our motivation is to get that word to be used more. And specifically when people think about goodness in leadership, they think about charitable mm -hmm. and they don't think about profitable. Mm -hmm. So here we have a mission-driven organization that's created fantastic products that we here in Minnesota absolutely love. Yeah, right? need. And Badly. <laughs> it's amazingly profitable. Mm -hmm. There's nothing soft mm -hmm. or naive mm -hmm. or vulnerable about the Patagonia way and how they are led. Mm -hmm. They have good leaders who believe in goodness and it's profitable. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the most powerful story that we could tell. Yep. And that's what I mean about, you know, that it's it's concrete. Exactly what, you know, when I was saying it's not paying dividends in feeling good, it's, it is profitable, literally. Yeah. I also got a kick out of the little joke that actually it does. It feels very good to have money rolling in on yeah. a regular basis. So we're not going to discount that, are we? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, part of the way we think about this podcast is to translate what we're learning into actionable insights. So what do you think? Were there any actionable insights from listening to Jerry and Camp and the discussion that we've had here today that we think people in our listening audience should consider? To me, one of the really big things is to practice goodness in a personal way and not and and do that kind of internal absorption of goodness and optimism and meaning, you know, ser searching for meaning and leading a meaningful life that's not just others focused. Of course, that affects others. And of course, that relates to others. But it is personal. He said, we don't know that we can change the world. And I'm going to walk away and write that on my whiteboard and look at that for a long time. That can be your t-shirt that you mm -hmm. wear around in the summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm thinking differently about it. Um, uh, I went back to the dark noise. Yeah. Um, he made a couple of comments about the fact that you, you, you don't need it at all, but if you're going to consume it because you want to be in the know, mm -hmm. just listen once mm -hmm. or list, read one paragraph, not 10. I, I think that's a remarkable strategy. Um, I've used it in my life. I know it's made a big difference on my mood. But even to take it one step farther, um, I talked about earlier in my remarks at the breakfast that I believe good leaders who believe in goodness have the ability to help people at work drowned out the dark noise by creating a workplace that's uh, stimulating, where people enjoy working together and they accomplish meaningful things on work that's important. And that, I think, is an excellent strategy. And as a leader, I would think that it would be worth it for you to spend some time thinking about how can you help drive out 
the dark noise in people's lives by the type of environment you create at work. I think that's the, that's actually the kind of challenge people want when they tune in to listen to a podcast on called Goodness Page, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Work is the highlight for a lot of people. And is there a way to support that and to make it a positive, fulfilling, mm-hmm. forward-moving place? Yeah, I think maybe I'll say one more thing, too. I, I didn't realize the reason why I liked the Intelligent Optimist magazine so much is that it was solutions journalism. Yeah. Until he told me. And then I realized, yeah, there's nothing in there that's repeating the cycle of depression and helplessness. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think that's also something that we can do is really start emphasizing the number of solutions that are out there. Yeah. You're you're doing solutions coaching. There you go. I like that. (laughs) Well, um, so then what is the phrase that we want to make sure everyone remembers when they invest time in the Goodness Pays Leadership Podcast? Well, of course, it's Goodness Pays. And we heard Jurian say it too. Goodness Pays. So then I'll finish. Goodness pays. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in again soon. Talk to you soon.